Welcome to Ladies Let's Talk podcast. We are five everyday women helping each other to grow, learn, and above all, supporting each other unconditionally to live our best lives. We understand that not everyone has a connection like ours, and our intention is that by sharing the ups and downs of our lives with real, raw, honest conversations and plenty of laughs, we can help you to become more of who you are, to help you stand up, walk taller, look the world in the eye, and to know that you are enough and that you are worth it. Welcome, ladies. I hope you guys are ready for today's episode. Today, I have with me Michelle. Hello. Mel. Oh, I'm just going to take myself off mute. <laughs> Chrissy. How are we? And our star of today's show is Nolene. Welcome, Nolene. Hi. So as our new listeners may not know, we've uh, all done a little bit of a blog and shared that to our Ladies Let's Talk blog post. And today we're going to delve a little bit deeper and ask Nolene a few more questions about herself. But before we do, I just want to say that without Nolene and her knowledge and her love for technology, we wouldn't be here today. Firstly and foremost, Nolene is the guru behind the scenes of making this podcast happen. So we owe this to you, Nolene. <laughs> we love Thanks. you, Nolene. <laughs> Nolene, Nolene um, I've known you for a few years and from my experience, I've seen you devote many hours behind the scenes to many different causes. But what I don't understand is what takes you out into the remote areas that you do go to. What is it? What is your day job? What's your occupation? <laughs> I like to tell people that I dig holes. And essentially, in very simple terms, that's exactly what I do. So I work for a geophysics company and we do a procedure or a technology called magnetotelerics, which is a big word for essentially measuring the earth's resistivity and conductivity so uh, the company i work for has a very good reputation around the world for collecting incredible high quality data and uh, so my job is to go out and put the instruments in the ground that actually are passively recording what our earth does wow <laughs> sounds riveting michelle loves it <laughs> Look, it's not Ooh. the most exciting job on the planet, but I tell you what, when the data comes back, amazing, and the and the boss gives us a thumbs up, I'm pretty happy to get my paycheck at the end of the day. Well, I always thought you had something to do with mining, so... It is mining. It's mining related. So the technique is used to help understand what's happening in the earth. So when, say, for example, you have a piece of ground that's very conductive, very conductive ground may be... And don't get, don't quote me on this because I don't actually know the details, <laughs> but it's something like if it's really conductive, there might be gold in it, for example, or if it's really resistive, it might be some other type of geology. So mining companies use it as a pre-exploration method so they can help understand what's actually happening in the geolog geological structures of the earth. Very cool. That is cool. <laughs> Michelle's going, oh, I like that. Uh, uh, I understand that and I, I get it. <laughs> That's good. Um, going on from that, what would be your dream job if you weren't doing this? I wouldn't have a job. My dream job would be to have no job at all. So I'm working on be being in a position where I'm financially free so that I can do what I want, where I want, 
and how I want and with who I want. So my dream job is to actually have no job and just be able to put my effort into projects that I'm passionate about. Mm, I like it. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> and Nolly, you have a history of working and running your family business as well. It seems like you've been wearing so many different hats all these years. I have worn a few different hats. So yes, I used to run my family, uh, a family business, um, but just a sort of a, a very brief overview of my timeline is I'm a cartographer by trade, which is a map maker. And I used to do what they call geographic information systems analysts. So it's smart maps. And I did that for 10 years before I decided that sitting in front of a computer for 10 to 12 hours a day was not really my cup of tea. So I decided that I wanted to get into the hospitality slash tourism industry. And my biggest challenge was I was a senior manager in my cartography job and I didn't want to have to go back to cleaning toilets and waiting tables. So because I was a bit of a, you know, I was a bit of a snob, let's put it politely. And I wanted to find a job where I could kind of fit into middle management in the hospitality or tourism industry, but I had no experience. <laughs> so to, to circumvent that and get around all of that issue, my parents had bought this beautiful old, or they were talking about buying this beautiful old historic building in the south coast of Western Australia in Albany and turning it into a guest house. So they called me up and they said, if we do this, do you want to run it as a guest house? And so I found myself cleaning toilets and waiting tables with no experience and running a business and uh, <laughs> doing all of the jobs in the hospitality slash tourism industry that I had absolutely no skills for. So that's uh, that was an interesting little proposition. And I did that for 10 years. So That, that uh, is like the deep end. Yep. That was yep. probably the deepest end of the diving pool that you could possibly get. And I recognized very early that I didn't have a lot of skill sets for it. I've never <laughs> been in business before. I didn't know how to do marketing. I didn't know how to run a hotel. I didn't know how to get my business out there. I didn't know how to do online stuff. And what I did know was that I was good at working with people. Um, I had good communication skills and I, I was good at getting along with people and servicing people's needs in a, a hospitality background and I was good at cooking so breakfast was a no-brainer but one of my one of my shortfalls is I really hate cleaning and when you run a six star uh, five star six bedroom guest house you really need to do a lot of cleaning so one of my first things was to employ a cleaner yeah that's my business yeah, and I, I've actually been there. It is stunning and, you know, kudos to you. The place is amazing and, and having to do all that work. So, and being in the hospitality industry myself is challenging. So as far as being in that industry, I know what irritated, used to irritate me the most, but what irritated you the most? Because you're talking five-star too. So what was the thing that irritated you the most, do you think, about hospitality? It's interesting. It's an interesting question because the working as uh, I called myself the general manager of our place because I generally did everything and there was actually nothing within the the business that irritated me other than bookwork and stuff like that I'm not a fan of bookwork what irritated me the most is the the perception of people who think that hospitality workers don't work hard mm. you know that when we have time off we we play hard so therefore we must always play hard but what I found really frustrating was when people didn't understand that while they were playing, we were working. 
So, you know, I worked Christmas Day, I worked Easter holidays, I worked long weekends. They were the busiest time of the year for me. And then when those periods were off, I would go and play. I would have my time off. And I really got frustrated with people saying, oh, you guys always have time off. You're always having a good time. I'm like, are you kidding me? I just worked for seven weeks straight without Mm. a day off. So I think the thing that irritated me the most was that lack of understanding for just how hard tourism and hospitality industry workers work. And, you know, in this day and age with the with what's going on now, I my heart breaks for tourism and hospitality workers because it's a it's a tough gig and they're quite often some of the lower paid people mm. in the workforce. So yeah. It is a tough gig and, and yeah, and a lot of people are quite passionate too and it's very unfortunate, like you said, they're very passionate about some what they have. A lot of tourism and hospitality workers do it for the love of it, not for the paycheck that comes with it. And I think that's a big thing for for that to be remembered. Mm, I think I actually spent my teenage years uh, growing up and I learned to cook in my mum's Italian restaurant. So she owned, owned a restaurant and that's why I learned to cook and learned an awful lot about the hospitality industry in that way. And I think one of the things I learned is it is not rocket science waiting on tables, but it is really freaking hard to find people who can do it very well. And I think that hospitality is an industry that people, anybody thinks that they can do it. Like, seriously, how hard can it be to take an order and bring someone's dinner out to them? But there's an absolute art, isn't there, in being able to run a restaurant or run the floor or run a kitchen or a guest house, which kind of encompasses everything, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the challenge is that there's an expectation when you walk into a restaurant that everything be perfect. But you've got to remember that those people who are serving you they have shit days too you know um they don't they don't and they have to be on all the time and I think that was a bit of a challenge for me when I was working I think my longest week the longest stretch was about eight weeks straight without a day off and by the end of it you're knackered you're really tired and when somebody says oh my eggs aren't cooked properly really all you want to do is pick up that plate and stick it on their head but you know you can't you have to smile and say I'm really sorry I'll let me fix that for you and and that can be quite challenging and mm. I, I take my hat off to all hospitality and tourism mm. workers I'm like I'm yeah I'm glad I'm not in the industry anymore because I did get to a point where I'm like I just want someone to look after me yeah thank mm. you I think you really appreciate good service now too when you get it because you understand just oh, where yeah. it's coming and from I, yeah and I also don't like bad service because I'm like it's not <laughs> that hard <laughs> so when oh, it comes I, to yeah. customer service it's like you know, if you can't give me good customer service, I'm not coming back because it actually isn't that hard. And it's something that I reckon Michelle would be good at because all she has to do is smile and she'd have everybody. <laughs> mm, except for the thoughts that are in your head can't come out. No. <laughs> there has to be a filter, Michelle. <laughs> well, it's people industry and I like I've never worked in that side of it. Before I met Joel, he had a restaurant. He used to have a Mexican restaurant. And we used to laugh that I'd be in the kitchen away from the people and he would be (laughs) the one on the front. (laughs) But I've learned a lot more tact over the years and compassion for people. So like you say, you understand both sides of that industry now and you like you say if you get bad service you know that they could do better do you ever say anything or when it you're out depends. and you get that 
it kind of depends on the situation and the circumstance and how I'm feeling on the day and things like that. So if I get bad food, if I'm at a mm. restaurant and I get bad food, yeah, I'll definitely give Let feedback, especially if it's pretty bad. If the service has been particularly crappy, I'll definitely say something to the floor manager or something like that. I know that most people are doing the best that they can. So I'm fairly forgiving. Yeah, I think so, it's more the way that you say it rather than yep. what's said because being yeah. in the hospitality industry myself and owning a shop, it's like there's no need to be rude. Mm. You don't have exactly. to be rude. Like, yeah, exactly. you're going to be rude to me? Well, heh, you're going to get it right back, mister. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on the fact that Michelle's husband had a Mexican restaurant and I just need to know if she's got a good sangria recipe. <laughs> <laughs> or margaritas, I'm not fussy. <laughs> Can you share those? Hey, look, I'm not sure what he has <laughs> left of those recipes and stuff. And it was uh, before me time. So, uh, yeah, he's not a big record keeper. <laughs> oh, so not you, Michelle. <laughs> you got it. Oh. All right. I, I, have a, I have a question for you because I think, Nolene, one of the things that's fascinated me from the the time that I met you is just how big a heart you have and how how much it is that you want to serve I would say not even the community but you want to serve the world and I think you see injustice in certain areas and, and really kind of want to deal with that I know you're passionate I believe about sex trafficking especially through Asia um, and those kind of countries can you tell us a little bit more about that and and whatever brought it to your attention and what your hopes are in that field yeah, sure. The eradication of exploitation of women and children in tourism is kind of what got me into the looking at what sex trafficking is and how it works and stuff. And that came about because I'm part of an international tourism organization and we're on uh, an international board that looks after tourism as a whole and how tourism can be sustainable and and this whole idea of eradication of exploitation of women, children in the industry. And so I started looking at what that meant to me and, and my business. And here in, an, in Albany on the South Coast, that doesn't really do, I mean, like we don't have those issues down here. We, well, we might exploit people by underpaying them and things like that, but that's a relatively minor issue in the great scheme of things. So I was looking at how, how that actually applied within our industry and where where some of those really bad things were. And I started looking at what was happening in Asia and through that I got connected to a guy who called himself the Grey Man. I'm, everything happens at the right time for the right reasons. And the Grey Man popped into my sphere and I started following him and started watching what he was doing and he was going into brothels and things like that in Thailand and essentially kidnapping the children and rescuing the children out of these places in in Thailand and so I messaged him and I'm like hey dude what you're doing is beyond extraordinary and you know you're putting your life on the line every time you do this how can I help how can a little person from you know nowhere in Australia so far removed from this how can we help and he just said we need funding I'm like great I can do that. I, I, I can raise money. So that sort of set me on that journey for for looking at this a bit more. And through that, we've raised money. We supported a charity in Thailand, which was a home that looked after girls who'd been rescued from the industry and at risk. And we went and visited them. And I met a five-year-old girl who was in this place 
because she was at high risk. Her, her sister, who was older, had been rescued from the sex industry. Her sister was about nine or ten, I think. Uh, she'd been rescued. She had been a child prostitute. And it broke my heart, you know, to see these little girls who were just being used. And I just, it, it broke my heart so much so that I've had to step away from it a little bit because it's such a big problem and it's not just in Asia. It is worldwide. It is uh, the third largest, the third largest money-making, illegal money-making racket in the world is trafficking people. And I just went, wow, that's such a big issue. And there, I just had to step back because it was too much for me to take in. So I sort of sit on the periphery now. I follow people who are doing some good work. But at this stage, I've realized that I need to look after me first and then get back into this and work out how I can support it. But it's a huge issue. And, you know, I'd really love to connect with more people who are doing great work. I'm very selective about who I follow and who I connect with because there are some people who are taking advantage of the the good of people and are using it to actually traffic more more people. So they're using the cover of charities and stuff to do more underhanded stuff. So I'm a little bit more, I've been burned uh, as most people who've worked in big charities have been at some point, you know, that's a, a common thing to happen. So for me, it's I have to be very selective now. And, and I would love if there's any listeners on here who, you know, have information that I can connect with, I'd be delighted to, to have a look and go from there. And, and are you also saying to our listeners as well that, if, you know, this resonates with them and it's something that they would like to give some help to or raise some money for or whatever it is that they want to do, you do actually, you need to be very mindful of who it is that you are connecting with and where that money's going because, like that horrifies me to think that it would actually be going towards what you're trying to keep it from. I would tell people to definitely do your homework. Follow the money. Follow the money, follow the money, follow the money. You know, do your homework, do your research. Don't believe anything that anyone says. And I don't mean to be a cynic about it, but I just know that it's so important to do your homework. There's some amazing charities out there doing some unbelievable things. And yet there's these other ones who are just sharks, you know, and they're preying on people's generosity and people's hearts. And it really, don't get me going on that because that's a whole nother podcast and I could rant for ages. Okay, so are you able then to give our listeners some some help and maybe point them towards some charities that would help out? Have you, like I assume you're still in contact with them or...? I wouldn't at this stage, but uh, I think maybe down the track when we do a podcast on this topic I'd be more prepared to share it then so uh, we'll leave that for now and uh, just get people thinking about how they could connect to something like this if this resonates with them cool sounds perfect from that listening to your uh, history with charities if you only had to pick one or two to support or follow what would they be <laughs> I think I probably just just sum that up with uh, mm. you know anything that's related to particularly tourism-related, the eradication of exploitation. And it doesn't necessarily need to be women and children, but, you know, women and children are, in a lot of places, still second-class citizens or women are second-class citizens. And tourism is my passion. You know, I love to travel and I want to go to places where everyone is treated with respect and and not exploited. So anything related to that, I would would be happy to support. 
and anything to do with supporting and educating women and children who've actually been taken out of that industry. Because one of the things that I learned is that once they've been, once these young girls are getting an income, in inverted commas, from their activities, it's really hard to take that away from them without replacing it with something else. So providing opportunities for education. I'm not one about just giving money to people. I would like to give people opportunities, provide education, give them skills, give them ways to have skills. So anything that's related to that sort of stuff. So that doesn't narrow it down a lot because there's a lot there. Um, but that's definitely my passion in that sort of sphere. Yeah, yeah doesn't it? there's a lot there. So giving. I love it. It's awesome. <laughs> and, and I mean, it sort of goes in with your passion of traveling as well, which is you've had some amazing travels. All that traveling though, where would your favorite place be that you would like to live? Do you think you'd prefer the country or the city or the beach? Like, so your home base. <laughs> I'm not fussy, Chrissy. I will have a, a forest by the beach, please. Oh, not um, fussy. <laughs> no fussy at all. No, uh, that's a great question because I love both. I, I'm not the city. I'm not a city mm. person. I would much rather be in a more remote area. But I love big trees. I love forests. I love greenery. I love the smell of like our Australian eucalypts after the rain. You know, that smell that you just... You can't capture in a bottle. I don't care how much beautiful Melaleuca stuff we have. You cannot catch it in a bottle. You have to smell it for mm. yourself. But I love the ocean. I love the sound of the ocean. I love walking on the beach. I love swimming in it. I love being in it. So, yeah, just find me a little five acres with a bushland on the beach. So a bit of both. I'm not fussy at all. <laughs> yeah. bit of both. Be good. Thanks. Although you do love our outback too, like, yeah, because I know you do a lot of work out there digging your holes. And, um, like, you can posted some really spectacular pictures of your sunrises and the sunsets and I don't want to live there though <laughs> it's beautiful out there it is stunning Australia has some of the most spectacular scenery it's harsh and it's rugged and it's brutal and beautiful and everything wrapped up in it but I don't want to live in it hell no it's I admire the people that do the people that do and make a living out of some of our harshest places like I take my hat off to them, but that's not me. That's way too much hard work. <laughs> you just described my vision dream board where I want to live. <laughs> In the middle of nowhere? No, the acreage oh, right. overlooking the beach with my lavender farm out the back and my orchard and my yes. and Yep, I'm hearing you. <laughs> I think we could all be really happy there. Yeah. yeah. I need to be within stone's throw to a city, though. Like, I would like, and I mean, I live in Darwin, so I'm not talking big city, but I, I would just like to be able to go to the city to get stuff that I wanted, but I would like more of a rural type life. Online Same shopping, Online, just... I'm all over online shopping. <laughs> <laughs> Living in Darwin, I'm all over it. I was all over it well before then because Darwin, we're very limited up here. So, Noles, from from your description of your where you'd want to live, what's describe your chill out, your your perfect chill out day? Like, what would it entail? <laughs> well, this is a winter scenario. It's just so you know, thinking that my little forest beach residence thing is somewhere down south. Um, it would be a raging fire, good book you know, curled up in the beanbag reading for a few hours and then moving the book 
to a very long, deep, hot bath with a glass of champagne. Ooh, I'm glad you said bath. <laughs> take, taking that book back to bed and you know, like having a bit of a snuggle into my doona and finishing the book off. That would be my ultimate day. I was really worried where you were going with that then. Only you would be, Mel. <laughs> We have a dream of doing an outside bathtub, Nolene, so maybe oh, one day you can uh, yeah. come by the fire and have a soak. That sounds perfect. And that's when I build my house and my beautiful location with forests and beaches, I am having an outdoor bath because I've had the experience of, of being in a bath under the stars. And honestly, if you've not ever experienced that, you're missing out because it is the coolest, sexiest, most relaxing, most whatever experience I think I've ever had. It was amazing. Well, while I've got you on cool, relaxing, sexy experiences, Nolene, <laughs> I've been married for 19 years, right? And, and look, and I know a lot of the ladies here have all been married for well over 10. I think Chrissy's approaching 30 years married, like it's cray-cray. And our beautiful single Nolene, we, I'm going to turn to you because I said to my husband, do not ever leave me because I cannot do <laughs> online dating. I don't even understand how the hell Tinder works. I just know that Grinder is not for me. That's what I know. But that's about all that I know when it comes to the app. And I know you've been on Tinder and I know we've talked about some really funny stories. Please tell me, tell me your worst Tinder date. And then, and then tell me the funniest. Like, just share some of your Tinder experiences so us boring old married women can live the sexy single life for a moment. Oh, it's a really hard one, actually, because, you know. Hard one. Funny that, yeah. Dating in this modern era is the hardest thing ever. Like, as you say, being single, I've been single for quite a long time, and it's really challenging, and my work doesn't allow me to go out you know, because I'm not here a lot. So I have no routine. It's not like someone can say, okay, well, let's go out this weekend. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I could be out working. So yeah, I did try the whole online thing and uh, I was pretty successful for a little while before I decided <laughs> that they were actually all pretty much drop kicks. Uh, and you have to scroll through so many faces to get anything. And I've got, I'm a little bit picky. I've got standards. They're not very high standards, but I've got standards. And, you know, I'll, I won't, like, right swipe on anyone that doesn't have a description. You know, if they think that I'm going to pick them just based on their photo, well, then obviously they're just looking for a hookup, right? Is a right while, swipe a yes? A right swipe is yes, a left <laughs> okay, okay. swipe is no. Hang on, I just have to check that. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, um, I'm so not Tinder. <laughs> so, you know, I, I kind of like... You know, if they don't have a description there, they're either too lazy to put a description up, and I don't want lazy. They all all they want is a hookup, which is fine if that's all you want. But and that was what I wanted for a little while. But I want something a bit more meaningful than that now. You know, if they've got a photo with their tongue sticking out and a beer in their hand, then you know, I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> if they're there holding up a big ass fish, I'm going. No, I love fishing and I that love going to fish. Absolutely, I, that's my husband. But I love routine. fishing. I love fishing, but I don't need to see it on your Tinder profile. I'm like, seriously, come on now. It's a whole you next big catch. <laughs> oh. And the other, the biggest thing for me is if they've only got selfies, like if they've only got selfies on their profile pic, do you not have any friends to take photos with or of you or 
do you not go out and have photos taken? So it's narrowed the field down quite a bit. So it actually got to a point where I kind of got off, I got off Tinder and got onto Bumble because Bumble was supposed to be better. Bumble? What's the um, difference? Never even heard of it. No, me either. <laughs> me either. What the hell is Well, you guys are married. You don't need to be on there. Oh. See, Joel, Bumble. I've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess Bumble is supposed to be a little bit more upmarket than Tinder because Tinder was getting quite trashy and it was getting like it was really getting trashy and it was just too hard. There was way too many people on there. I was like, oh, this is just not not for me. So I got onto Bumble and Bumble (laughs) was better to start with because, you know, it took guys with a little bit of intelligence to move off Tinder and onto Bumble. So Bumble was a, a little bit more successful and then I realized that if I wanted to actually get a little bit more serious with this, I needed to pay for an online dating program. So I can't even remember what I joined now. Uh, it was that long ago. But it, that was way more successful. And I actually got to go on a couple of dates with people from that. And I don't know I don't know that I had a really bad one, actually. I had some really good fun ones. Um, so something I've never received, but I want to know if you ever have, how many dick pics have you had? I've had a number and I have to say that it is challenging when you receive that. But I guess probably one of the things I want to share, and I, I think it's a good thing for me to share because there's a lot of people out there who are at risk of this. But I did connect with a guy who looked great, sounded great, was online. Um, he ended up being a scam artist. And it was a really interesting exercise for me because I don't see myself as being, I don't see myself as being vulnerable. at risk or vulnerable. So I'm relatively intelligent. You know, I've been around the traps. I know how things work. I'm not gullible to stuff. And anyway, this guy said all of the right things and we, we got off the platform. I can't remember where we met, whether it was on Bumble or what. Anyway, we started chatting on Facebook. Uh, you know, he'd send me photos. He did send me a dick pic and I probably should have cancelled him at that point. But, you know, he was saying all of the things that you want to hear, essentially. But one of the things that firstly started making me a little nervous is there was always an excuse not to meet. And when you start getting somebody that you're chatting to online who never wants to meet you, has an excuse to meet you, that starts ringing, raising the first flag. And you're like, mm. hmm, okay. So if you can't be bothered meeting me or you make excuses or whatever, then it's time to, you know, start questioning this. And then we started talking about finances and I don't give away my finances to anyone that I don't know. Like, you know, he's like asking me about my job and how much I got paid and whether I owned my house, things like that. So then I started going, oh, this is a little bit interesting. So I just, you know, we played along for a bit and it was fun. Look, like we had some really fun, dirty conversations. Let's face it, bit of phone sex. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Then he started asking me for full length with my face, nude photos. And I'm like, no, I don't do that either. You know, no, there's no way that anyone that I've never met before is getting a nude photo of me. Actually, there's no way that anyone I've met is getting a nude photo of me. (laughs) So. (laughs) Yeah. Don't need to put her phone number, girl. (laughs) So, you know, that's just, it's just not going to happen. And then, of course, the final straw was when he starts asking for money. And that's when I went, okay, hang on a tick. I don't give money to people I don't know. So then I did something I didn't realize I could do, which was dumb, was search his photo on Google. So you can actually do a photo search. 
That's yes. not dumb. That's just you don't know what you don't know. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, I did a photo search and the photos that he sent me was of some gorgeous rugby dude from the UK. And I'm like, huh, okay, cool. So what I just sent him. That? That's got, what's that called? Catfishing. Catfishing, yep. So I sent him a message and said, hey, dude, you know, it's really interesting that your face is the same as this guy's face. Uh, really interesting that that should happen like that because he had a Facebook profile and everything. He'd stolen this guy's whole bloody identity online. And so I said, we're done. Don't call me again. Block me. And I blocked him. He sent me an email. I said, oh, please, you know what? And I'm like, you know what, dude? I think it's really sad that someone can prey on the vulnerabilities and the emotions of potentially very susceptible people. I'm not susceptible. I've, you know, this has gone on for a little while, but I'm on to you. And I said, I just hope that somewhere, someday in your heart, you will realize that this is low, that this is the lowest form of human being to prey on people's emotions. And I hope that one day you get that message. And I just, I was just done. But I think it was really important lesson for me. And I think it's really hard to for some people to see that. So I would encourage any listeners out there who are bumbling or tindering or online dating, just again, do your homework. It's a bit like the charities. There's a lot of people out there doing some pretty shafty things. Uh, so I would just suggest that do your homework, see how things go. And look, the phone sex was great. Yeah, right. like, The phone sex was awesome. <laughs> and it, uh, it opened me up to a whole new world of things that I had never experienced before. And uh, that's awesome. So, you know, it's all good. All other podcasts right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't want me to share with you my phone sex experiences, that's for sure. <laughs> no, but the vulnerabilities of people and the people who prey on them in, you know, is in all yeah. industries, like from the sex trafficking to Tinder to, you know, so many things. Yeah, and that, I agree. And they, they use their power for good. Like, because I've almost, mm. I've almost been scammed as well before when I was mm. running a previous business, and um, and I always used to think, imagine if we spend as much time doing legitimate activity as the time they invest in trying to scam people. I mean, they could be legitimately making money, right? But I wonder what it is about their their character or the profile or whatever it is that makes people think that the only way to make money is the crooked way. But anyway, again, that's probably another whole. <laughs> we can talk about that for hours. Sure could. Well, I think if anything's come out of uh, our little chat today with Nolene is that there you have it. We're going to open up all the hard questions. And before there were some tears in another podcast, we've had phone sex and dick pics today. So obviously, <laughs> listeners, you can tell that uh, there is nothing that us ladies are going to hide. And hopefully <laughs> we can uh, be of some assistance, if not just entertainment. I want to thank you all, ladies. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for sharing with us here at Ladies Let's Talk. We look forward to you, our listeners, joining us again on our next episode where you'll find out more interesting and amazing things about more of our panellists. And at the end of the day, we're here because we want you guys to walk taller, remember that you are enough and that you are worth it.